Welcome to We Found Another Hour, a podcast and ministry of Grace Baptist Church, Springfield, Tennessee. Listen now as we join our host, Dr. Steve Freeman, and his guests as they give biblical insight into your toughest theological questions as we explore the Bible together. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to We Found Another Hour podcast, episode 29. So we are rocking and rolling in our repertoire and our library of uh, episodes. I don't know that they've all been uh, beneficial for the spiritual edification of everybody, especially the crystal calamity. We're not going to talk about crystals, but that sure has been the talk uh, mm-hmm. as, as we roll through it uh, from our listening audience. And uh, as I said before we began, I apologize for being a little late. Uh, this morning, I, I, I just couldn't get things in order. As I told y'all, I overslept this morning. And uh, I mean, it was it, it was quite a catastrophe this morning. And uh, it's nothing like hitting the snooze button, but it's not the snooze button and rolling over and seeing the clock say 510 in the morning. I mean, I about threw my back out trying to get up out of bed. So. Ain't it the worst? I mean, do y'all ever have those uh, episodes? Is is that? No, most of the time when I roll over and it says five ten, I'm I'm real happy and I'm rolling right back over so, to sleep. To sleep. Mm-hmm. See five between five and five thirty normally when I get up, so that's just a normal morning for me. Well, thank you, brother Derek, for being normal. Everybody else seems to think I'm the abnormal one. Yeah, y'all are abnormal. 100%. I mean, no four like that's. Mm-hmm. I think eight hours of rest is godly. <laughs> I think oh, it'll yeah, make that's you in the more Bible. godly. I think least, it'll make yeah, you at least seven, right? Because you get cranky if you don't have enough sleep. Mm. No, I get cranky if I get too much sleep. <laughs> 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 Only you. That's why you're such an extraordinary pastor. <laughs> well, thank you, Brother David. Extraordinary. For, yeah. Well, thank you for recognizing those uh, extraordinary qualities. I, re- I really appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, we've got a, a great question this morning. We'll get to that in just a minute, but well, I want to ask, one. do you think we're sleeping in heaven? Do you think that we will have sleep? Not that we will have to, but do you think that we will sleep in heaven? Yes. Sure. Did Adam and Eve sleep? Well, I don't know. I mean, they did after the fall, but I don't know about, I don't know about pre-fall. I don't know. That's a question. Did they sleep pre-fall? Well, I, I mean, there's lots of questions that can be answered about heaven by just going and traveling back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Because, I mean, we're on, I've said this before, we're on a continual paradigm to move things, I like to call it back to the future. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're moving back to the way God intended in the very beginning that this whole two thousand or this whole 6,000-year journey has just been marred up by you know what took place in you know in the life of Adam and Eve in the fall, but we're going back to that place of Eden. I mean, this is what God is restoring the earth, a new heavens and a new earth. So, if you want to know what heaven's like, just walk outside and look at it. This is what God has created for as His abode to dwell with mankind. Bible, so the Bible says, "Come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest." Mm-hmm. So rest would be an element of the character of God in our life. Well, here's the ultimate question. Did Jesus sleep? He slept on earth, but then Elijah says that God neither sleeps nor slumbers. 
But then it also says the line of the lamb are going to lay down together. And after God gets through with creation, it says he rests. I don't know. Sorry. Interesting question. I think I think we will. I mean, I enjoy sleep. I can't imagine it being taken away. Well, you know, here's here's the ultimate question. It's not really ultimate, but it's one we get a lot. It's not one that we're prepared to answer today. But, you know, heaven, you know, is eternal. It, you know, I've been asked many times, is there time in heaven? Is there time in eternity? What's your take on that, Brother Caleb? Yeah, I think so. I think in Revelation it talks about heaven being silent for half an hour. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say yes. So if you sleep in heaven and you wake up early like Brother Steve did today or late like he, would you go, oh, no, I've been asleep a million years? No way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a question. I don't know. <laughs> That's why we love you being here. <laughs> so... I mean, is time measured in heaven? Most theologians would say no, that it's eternal and it's outside of time. But um, I, I mean, we think about Adam and Eve and they're, when they were created, they were created in the eternal state. But clearly in the Garden of Eden, there were 24 hours a day, seven days in a week. And time was measured. The first thing that God created in creation was time in the beginning mm-hmm. in the beginning of what the beginning of time because before that time did not exist so does god operate inside time in both and hold and on yeah, hold on outside. i asked the both question end. and there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour <laughs> so i mean it, it's interesting but that's not the question we're going to answer today maybe we'll expound on that later but before we get to the question Brother David, uh, we're you know so thankful that you've been with us for this season of episodes, and uh, as a result of our appreciation for you, we got you a little gift. It's not a parting gift, but we just—I I mean, it's exciting. We know how much you love toothpicks. Mm. We we really have no idea why. Okay, and y'all talk about me being weird. I mean, <laughs> the toothpicks, and, and it's incredible what you can do with a toothpick. I, I mean. That's true. Sometimes we don't even know that you have a toothpick in uh, your mouth and and you're, you know, doing whatever you do on that, you know. You have just magnificent abilities with the toothpick. So, but we didn't ever want you to run out. So we found, as we were cleaning out a storage room, we found two boxes. I have no idea. Where do we have, why do we have toothpicks? Well, our welcome center that we have down at Greenbrier must have used to been used for restaurants. So we had menus and all sorts of stuff. We have all the crayons we could ever want as well. And then we have about close to 40,000 toothpicks. Uh, and who better to give that to than Dr. David Lovell? The, the toothpick connoisseur. So that's <laughs> one toothpick a day for how long? I can do it real quick. 365 into 40,000? Well, you said that a toothpick, you average three days per day. Do you you sleep with the toothpick in? I don't know that I'd put that on a podcast. You know, I'm I'm much more humble. Brother David, that that is (laughs) enough toothpicks for one a day for 109 years. So you're going to be set. I can go to heaven with this box Are there going to be toothpicks in heaven? You can pass this down to generations. I can put this in my will. This supply of toothpicks is going to outlive you. My grandchildren. 
could use some of these. I and I don't even have any grandchildren. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, and, you know, according to our previous podcast and class, as we expounded on the lifespan, yes. uh, there it's inevitable. There's no way that you're going to outlast these toothpicks because the lifespan's 120 years. This is 109. Statistically speaking, you're going to, I mean... <laughs> Well, I just want you're going to expire know, 20 years on I, average I'm before humbled. that. I'm how old was your father when he passed away? He was 82. Okay. 82. And how old are you? 56. I was thinking much older. I was <laughs> thinking you were much older. <laughs> well, I know my dad. Brother David, you if, you, if you will up your game and start putting four toothpicks in your mouth at one time, you can get through all those in 21.8 years. Yeah, that would be dangerous. You can do it. Do you sleep with the toothpick in? I do not. I do not. Now, I have to admit, I played four years of college Division II basketball with a toothpick in my mouth. I did do that. Now, I bit the ends off so I wouldn't kill myself, but I did. How many toothpicks have you swallowed? You know... (laughs) I have swallowed a couple in my time, but not a lot. Is a doctor's visit required after you swallow a toothpick or just lots of prayer? Probably the first one, yeah, but after that. After that, you just learn how to pass them. You just pray. pray It's like passing a kidney stone. Yeah, you just pray. Or or it could be like passing marbles. Well, it gets into your stomach and stays 25 years or so before it digests, so it's okay. It's like swallowing gum. So you got a few toothpicks hanging out. So if they were like, you're at the airport and they had like a wood scan instead Uh of a metal detector, I would set it up. You would never fly. I would probably You're on a no-fly list. You'd be like Dr. Jim Parker when we go to the airport. They manhandle him. He's Mm -hmm. got so much metal. I mean, they just cavity man. search. Yeah, I mean, they. they <laughs> we were going to Israel, and and he got uh, uh, si- uh, pulled off to the side uh, when I, I don't remember if we were in Germany or Paris. I can't remember anywhere, but they they pulled him off, and I mean, they manhandled Dr. Jim Parker, and I mean, it was almost embarrassing for me. I felt for him. He was he violated? And yeah, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely violated. He hit him and with the old brother. And, the whole time. And listen, listen, when when he comes, when he comes and gets through all of that and gets his clothes back on and and what have you, uh, he comes to me and he said. Oh, brother, mm-hmm. they really got me good. And you know what I told him? Uh, you know what I told him? I said, Dr. Parker, I said, I hate to tell you this, but you know none of those people work for that. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, so anyway, it's great fun to travel with it. But uh, we've got uh, a question that we're going to answer, and uh, let, let's let's get started on that question. We really appreciate you listening and uh, being a part of our podcast. We're having a great time. Uh, answering your uh, biblical questions. So uh, we'll get started right after the break. Hey, listening audience, I want to come before you and tell you about a great opportunity for your child. You've been hearing about Grace Baptist Academy. If you live in our area, you know about Grace Baptist Academy and already the reputation that uh, it is unfolded in the community with its excellence of education and uh, great biblical sound uh, biblical principles that are instituted as the un- as the foundation of learning. So I want to come and tell you and let you know 
that registration is about to begin. Now, we're going to be enrolling our Plan for Grace Baptist Academy is to add a grade every year. So as we brought on kindergarten in this second year of Grace Baptist Academy, going into our third year, into our fall semester, we will bring on first grade. So we want you to know about that opportunity. Registration will begin at the 1st of April. And uh, you can go on our website, find out more about Grace Baptist Academy and how Grace Baptist Academy might just be the choice for your child's education. If you want uh, Christian education, uh, great teachers, great um, academic uh, excellence, if, if, you're, if this is what you're looking for, and most of all, consistency in the school year, we've at a low cost to you. And uh, I'll go ahead and let you know that our tuition for our upcoming 2021, or I'm sorry, 2021-22 school year is going to be $5,300. That's all inclusive. So everything from uniforms to everything your child needs is in a one-stop financial package. So if you wanted to know more about that, please go to our website at www.gbcspringfield.org and click on the Grace Baptist Academy tab and it'll navigate you to everything you need. I hope to see your student in August of 2021. All right, we're back. Brother Caleb, we got a question this morning. This is not going to be Caleb's Corner, but this is we're going to let you introduce the question this morning and uh, we'll, we'll be ready to answer it. It's almost Easter time, so I hope it's maybe close to... An Easter question. Yes, indeed. As a matter of fact, when this uh, episode airs, Easter will be over. Yeah, it'll be the Monday. So let me just, before you answer or ask the question, let me say, Happy Easter. You know, we're thankful for the fact that Jesus died for our sin, and on the third day, he got up from the dead. I said last night in my sermon that it's the second greatest phenomenon in human history. Now, some might ask, I mean, shouldn't it be the greatest that Jesus got up from the dead? But I contend that Christmas is the greatest. The birth of Jesus is the greatest phenomenon. Because he, if he never made the decision to be born in his own creation, we'd have never got to Easter. So I'm grateful. However, it's Easter that provides salvation for us. Maybe you're listening today and you've never been saved. I want you to know that even you, that Jesus died for your sin, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He was buried, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Without the resurrection, there'd be no salvation. So we celebrate that, and we're thankful for Easter. So that leads us into our question. Is it about Easter? Yes, yes, in a way. It's about an aspect of Easter. Okay. So, Does it have anything to do with Cadbury eggs? Peeps. 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 Yeah. I got a box last night of hot tamale peeps. That sounds like one of the worst things I could ever imagine somebody making. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, here's a pair. spicy, <laughs> gooey right. treat. So here's here's the thing. I want to be sensitive because I appreciate all the gifts. You know, sometimes it's really good to be the pastor. Sometimes it's not. Okay. I don't have time to expound on all that. But let's go around and talk about the worst thing we've ever gotten as a gift from a church member. Okay, I can start. Could hot bigger. tamale peeps. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a, a fan? You're not a fan of hot tamale peeps? No, a peep is absolutely disgusting. Now, I, I mean, I'm sensitive because I'm sure the person who gave that to me is listening. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's... But it's, you like the hot... It's my well, tamale. You, yeah, you ate them, don't you? I love hot tamales. But, but peep, what, what's the difference between a hot tamale and a hot peep tamale peep? Peep reminds me of poop. <laughs> 
Hot tamale poop. So it was like a hot poop. Mm. I, I don't I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. that may not be the worst gift, but I'm just to be honest with you. I, I didn't enjoy it that much. When Leanne came around and offered me, she was holding the box and there was one left. So somebody enjoyed them. Mm. No, I think they got them thinking they would enjoy them. Uh, and then it was kind of like uh, when you when you eat something you don't like, like that grows in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that crystal, that 13th crystal. Mm. Spread, mm. For, for spread we said we wouldn't talk about it, but we can't stay away. Can't it's stay twenty. Away. It took him 21 minutes to get it down. Still the rainy so crystal I'm camp. sure <laughs> there are some people from last night's He's fellowship that, meal right. who were offered a hot tamale peep that are still working to get that thing down today. Mm. Appreciate you, Brother Mike. You're the man. Appreciate it. No, I do. They, they were thinking about it. They know I love it hot tamales. It kind of hangs up in the esophagus. But it, it, just, it just wasn't good. It just was not good. Yeah. It's like trying to digest a toothpick that you swallow. Your stomach acid's just not strong enough. Well, unless you're David Level. They just go down. They don't they, they don't get stuck. They just <laughs> right down the pipe. So they just go. All right. So do we have a question? We do. We do have a question sent in by a listener. And uh, she she quotes from Matthew twenty seven, forty four, and this is what that verse says. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. And this is the question she asked. How come in this version, God didn't save one of the robbers? He would have been there, right? So she's asking, she's referring to when Jesus is on the cross, he's crucified between these two criminals. And then uh, this account in Matthew doesn't have anything about uh, one of the robbers being saved or, or, or coming into a relationship with Jesus. But another account and one of the other Gospels records this event of the robber asking Jesus to remember him when he enters into his kingdom. And she's asking, what gives? Why does this one have it and the other one doesn't? And vice versa. Hmm. All right. Who are, you, who are you calling on to answer this question? So I'm going to call on our trusted and true biblical scholar, our very own missions pastor, Brother Derek O'Quinn. <laughs> so I get to... I, th- I thought we weren't doing Caleb's Corner. Y'all gonna y'all gonna help me out on this one? You read the so, question. There we go. Um, but no, no, no. This is a good question because I, I think it really helps us under like when we look at this, we can kind of understand why there are multiple gospels. And so, when I read this, uh, my understanding when we go through is we have to remember that each gospel comes from a different perspective. Each gospel was written by a different person for a different purpose. And so the focus changes. The story doesn't change. Um, Because, I mean, we do see in Matthew, it just says that uh, they were both insulting him. It doesn't mention that. If we go to Mark, all he says in Mark 15, 27, they crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. In John, it says... There they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Now, um, Luke is the only one that goes into detail and really talks about this. And so uh, my understanding, just like with other places in the Gospels, it's not that there's a contradiction. There's not an issue between what's being said here. It's just simply that Matthew is focusing on Jesus, 100%. That's that's where Matthew wants the attention to be towards. But Luke takes the time because he sees there's a value in walking through this exchange. So they line up. It's fine to say that both 
both the criminals insulted him. And then one decides to repent later on. And we get that account in Luke, but we don't get that account in Matthew because Matthew just simply is not focused on that at that time. Hmm. All right, that that's good. It's interesting that you mentioned the authors and the Gospels because, I mean, I, I'm with you, Brother Derek. I, I really believe the perspective of this comes from the uniqueness of the author. The first thing that we have to take into account we're looking at the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew, yeah, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'll get this right. It's early. I overslept this morning. Mm-hmm. All right. So, <laughs> but, you know, all of these guys, I, out of these guys, uh, if you include Luke just in the Gospels itself, the only two of, of these writers who actually knew Jesus personally would have been Matthew and John. Matthew as a tax collector and John as the beloved disciple. Um, John more than likely was a relative of Jesus. So, you know, had a different perspective as well. But like Mark and Luke, they didn't even know Jesus. So they're writing, Luke obviously is writing from a historical account, which is why we have much more detail in Luke's accounts of the gospel. Luke is the only one that records the birth of Jesus. Um, and you know, I think we've talked about maybe not on a podcast, but I know we've talked about in class where Luke predominantly would have got all his information, where, where, and I ask you, you know, just as a way of reminder, where did Luke get all his information? Most likely mama, he would have got it from Jesus's mother who was entrusted to the care of John who lived in Ephesus and pastored the church of Ephesus. So when Luke got saved on a missionary journey and he journeyed with Paul, they would have went to Asia Minor and there Luke would have met, okay, Jesus' mother because they would have hung out with John. So what? that's where we get the account of Jesus' birth because Luke as a historian and a theologian, okay, a, a, a physician turned theologian, he would have simply asked. He would have asked Mary, tell him, Tell me about the birth of Jesus. And she would have talked about the account of, you know, no room at the end. Uh, Mary was at the, uh, was at the crucifixion. In my study of this, besides Mary and John, none of these other guys, well, one, you know, two of these guys didn't even know Jesus. Uh, Matthew was not at the crucifixion. So John has a firsthand account. And Luke writes from a perspective of a firsthand account from Mary. So when you put all of that together, we have to understand that these are different authors. None of these gospels, Mark was probably the first gospel written, but none of these gospels were written earlier than 25 years beyond Jesus's resurrection. So, I mean, 25 years lapse before they start pen. To paper Now, they probably had notes along the way of things that took place, and they compiled those into a book, into a letter. So all of this time, the time difference takes, uh, uh, you know, makes a difference here. The, the fact of their personal connection, they all had a personal relationship with Christ, but only two of them knew him physically, okay? All of them knew him spiritually. So all of that takes an account in anything that we read in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and John. 
It's not that the Gospels or any part of the Bible contradicts itself. As a matter of fact, God has given us all four of these Gospels to validate itself because they're writing from different perspectives, different time periods, different personal uh, viewpoints, uh, and different personal accounts. But when you read them as a whole, they all say the same thing. It's just different perspectives from different viewpoints. So that's what I'm going to say about that. In the famous words of Forrest Gump, that's just all I got to say about that. I agree 100%. Yeah, I, I think that uh, one, one important thing to remember is a lot of people will look at differences in the gospel accounts. Hang on, Brother Caleb. We're going to take a quick break, and you come and give us, you expound. Okay. I'll we'll go. turn this into Caleb's Corner again. You expound on that. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to We Found Another Hour, a podcast and ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Springfield, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church or any of its affiliates, please go online to www.gbcspringfield.org or simply write to us via email at podcast at gbcspringfield.org. We'd love to hear from you. Let's continue now listening as our host, Dr. Steve Freeman, and his guests continue to give biblical insight to your toughest theological questions. All right, we're back. We're going to pick up with Brother Caleb as he expounds on this question about the robbers and the account of Matthew and the differences in the account of uh, these other gospels. So, Brother Caleb, pick up from there. You okay this morning? Did you oversleep too? <laughs> no, I got it right on time. Seven seven fifty. Seven fifty. Hey, when I was in college, I'd wake up at seven fifty three to get my eight o'clock class. Yes, I was seven fifty five. But I didn't go to bed till five thirty. So, but I I had everything laid out, and I just threw it on as I was walking down the hall. What was you doing at the fraternity parties? No, I went in a fraternity, but probably stuff we shouldn't talk about on the podcast. Um, Anyway, so the gospels, free ministerial days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, you were Methodist back then, right? Yeah, <laughs> half the time. Uh, so with the Gospels, like I was saying earlier, uh, the Gospels are written from different perspectives. And a lot of people look at that and say, well, some Gospels include this. Some some say there's two angels at the tomb. Some say there's one angel. So it's obviously a contradiction. Well, here's the thing about it. And um, somebody else alluded to this earlier, that they're complementary. There's no contradictions, but they're, but they give different pieces to the puzzle. And think about this. Would we really trust? Would we really trust four accounts where every single detail was presented in the exact same way? Think about it. If you're at a crime scene and the police are taking uh, statements from witnesses, and if every witness says the exact same thing in the exact same way, they they know they they've colluded with each other. There's been something. There's something fishy going on because people don't recall and see things from the exact same way. Mm. And so it's only when you get these different perspectives that that actually boosts our uh, our reliability and our and our and the credibility of the scriptures because they're not all saying the exact same thing the same way. They're telling one story from different different perspectives. When you think about these robbers, again, only John just barely mentions but gives a detailed account that matches Luke's perspective. But Matthew and Mark, they weren't even there. They weren't. So all they can do is rely 
on, you know, most likely Mark wrote his gospel as he was a companion of Peter. So, you know, Peter gave account, but Peter wasn't at the crucifixion, at least in my theological estimation. Okay. I think Peter, I mean, he called it a day once he, yeah. he, he thought it was over for his life in ministry. He thought, you know, so now after he denied Jesus three times and went out and wept, better, uh, wept bitterly. I woke up late today. So woke up, uh, or he went out and wept bitterly, the Bible said, after the, the rooster crowed. I, I think he went back to, I mean, the next time we find him, he's in Galilee. He went back home and went back to fishing. I mean, this, this thing's over. And like probably in his mind, you, you know, um, uh, Jesus was gone, and, and the last three years is just a bust, all of that. So Peter could not give an eyewitness account. I don't believe that he was there. So, again, it's hard to give. I, I mean, they had, to, they had to pin under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but they had to pin secondhand information. And here's what's really amazing. This is the bigger question behind all this. It's amazing and we have to ask the question, why would God use humans to, to communicate his word? That's, that's the real miracle here, and that goes for the whole Bible. It's that God chooses to use uh, fallible, fallen people to communicate an infallible, perfect word. And, and, and that's really, it's really astounding when you, when you step back and look at it like that. That's really deep. Would that have been similar to what... Is that tertiary? Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. New Orleans right there coming out. I, I, I don't know what. I still don't know what tertiary means. David Levels toothpick is screaming right now yeah. in his mouth. <laughs> Fire up it. You digress. It's the same with Moses and the and the Torah. Uh, it was secondhand information, but it was given to him by God, and he pinned that even though he wasn't a part of creation in the beginning, and it's still uh, it's the inspired. Word of God because of the Holy Spirit using God's creation to give us the words of life. Where did Moses get all the information? Because he wrote the first five books of the Bible. We, we know that. I mean, he had some help. Obviously, Joshua's understudy uh, picked up when Moses died um, and, and finished, you know, the, the course of Exodus, what have you. But where did he get his information? About creation? Sure. From the Lord on the mountain. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. 40 days and 40 nights. Twice. Uh, but yeah, they. they, they <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, but we know that, you know, Moses, one of the very few humans outside of Jesus and his humanity that um, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, a complete supernatural fast, because you can't survive without food and water for 40 days and 40 nights. But the Bible says he ate and drank nothing, the same with Jesus. So two accounts of a supernatural fast. And I just believe for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, I don't know if he slept, I, I don't know, but uh, the predominant time, all he did was write down what God told him. And God told him everything that happened That's right. in the beginning. I believe that. That's right. I believe that's I, how we... You know, when you come to this, you've got to approach the word. Is the word, is the Bible the word of God? And if the Bible is the word of God, then it's inspired and it's perfect and it's for you. And so when we talk about this passage in Matthew and we see that it is an angle 
of the picture being recounted to us. And in Luke, we see another angle of the picture being recounted to us that's more robust in the sense that one of the thieves uh, was granted heaven as his home. And so you have to come to the point is, uh, do I believe the Bible? Do I believe Jesus? You know, miracles are not a problem. I, I could believe that Jonah swallowed the whale because it's just a miracle. It's a miracle. Now, how did he do it? He did it one bite at a time. That's how he would have done it. But the reality is, do I believe God's word? Is God's word for me? Did, the, did what Jesus Christ do on the cross, the substitutionary atonement of Christ, does it stand uh, applicable to my life? Can I be forgiven of my sin because of the blood of Jesus on the cross? Mm -hmm. And everybody's got to make a one-on-one -on -one appointment with God on that question. And when you make that appointment and you surrender to Jesus as Lord, then you become one of his children. That blood covers you from all sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That was true in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's equally true, but that blood was given by the eternal God who came to this earth to die for our sin. And so by placing your faith in Christ, you come into relationship with him. You're given Christ as your Savior, your Lord, your forgiver, the lover of your soul. You're given the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you. You're given the Word of God. You're given churches like Grace Baptist Church to help you and encourage you, give you hope and a future because our, our future is bright because of who, hold the, who holds the keys to our future. And so if you've never trusted in Christ, I'd encourage you. It's the best decision I ever made in my life. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, and that means you, you're the object of God's love, that he gave his only son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him, I'm so glad we have a whosoever gospel, there's nobody too far away from God's love, whosoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. That can be yours if you'll trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Have you ever, David, thank you. Have you ever thought about becoming a preacher? <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 preach. I mean, that's sound. That's sound. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate that. And, you know, here's the thing. If you want to know more about being a follower of Christ uh, in the outro today, it will tell you how you can get in touch with us. And we'd love nothing more than to help you find that relationship or foster that fellowship. If you've already uh, given your life to Christ, but uh, you, we, we sometimes deviate from the path. So we'd love to help you uh, motivate and move back on that narrow way. So brother David, thank you for that. And that, I mean, just, we're so grateful for you. And here, here's the thing, like you did all of that and the toothpick never moved. I'm gifted. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just incredible. I mean, you have such a supernatural talent with that. And, um, you know, I loved your aspect about Jonah eating the whale and that was that was good. One bite at a time. <laughs> One bite at a time. But, you know the re the reality is, you know, we I, I sent out a question because we had a question about the whale. It's not a whale; it's a fish. But uh, it's uh, still that's a, another podcast for another day. You know. But it, uh, anyway, we're so grateful. And men, thank you for our podcast this morning. Thank you for the questions that you send in because they challenge us. But in that challenge, it strengthens us. That's what the Word of God does. It builds our faith. And I pray that that's what it's doing for you. Until next time, uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll see you then. God bless. Thank you for
listening to We Found Another Hour with your host, Dr. Steve Freeman, a ministry and podcast of Grace Baptist Church of Springfield, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about becoming a follower of Christ, we'd love to have that conversation. Please contact us at 615-384-3393. For other questions or information regarding Grace Baptist Church or its affiliates, write to us via email, podcast at gbcspringfield.org. And as always, as we explore the Bible together, if you have a theological question that you'd like answered on our podcast, send the question to podcast at gbcspringfield.org. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless you.